0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. And we do this because talking about books is pretty
1: magical. I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. And this week we are discussing Blood Marked by Tracy Dion. I am so excited for Finally! <laughs> The eagerly anticipated and long-awaited sequel to Legend Born. In this book, we pick up right where we left off in Legend Born. There are lots of weird politics, tons of racism, and so much tension between Cell and Brie that it made my cold dead heart very happy. So let's get into it.
0: <laughs> Yay! Can't wait. Initial reactions. I want to hear from Jesse first, partially because I didn't write anything.
1: (laughs) I loved this book. Obviously, it's probably one of my favorite books from this year. I love Sell and Bree. Totally ship them. I like that we got to see more of Alice. I love seeing Bree connect more with her root magic. I'd give it all the stars. Also, I read this book as an ARC, so there's a good chance that Kelly will have to remind me of a lot of things going on in this book because that was way back in October and we're recording in December. So sorry, not sorry.
0: <laughs> It'll be a bit of a call and response. <laughs> yes. I'll be asking follow-up <laughs> questions, I think.
1: <laughs> what did you think? I
0: also loved the book. I thought the pacing was pretty good. If a little bit like, oh, here's a kidnap attempt. Oh, here's an assassination attempt. Oh, here's like another thing. Um, But, you know, it kept it kept things moving and loved the tension. Alice, one of I I love the development of Alice. She gets the best one liners in the entire throughout the entire (laughs) book. It's so good. Um, And I think one of my favorite things was just kind of like the like the the doors around our understanding of the magical world just kind of like the walls were just like blown open you know same for bri yes. like cuz we're following with her and i just loved being exposed to like so many more of the magical systems and everything if arguably perhaps the show tell maybe was a little <laughs> um you know iffy i don't know iffy yeah. but like but like i also it was 500 and whatever pages long so I was like yes please tell me some of this because we don't also have time necessarily I mean it could be 800 pages long like whatever Sarah J Mass does that shit
1: yeah and gets away with it and people love it exactly
0: and people buy it I want like bonus chapters yes I love it I love I'm just excited to talk about it I think that's also one of the things that I eagerly anticipated about the book
1: me too me too
0: recommend if you like Um, Jesse left me high and dry for this section, but then came through later. So I (laughs) am going to start it off (laughs) with if you, the like cell Brie tension reminds me of the Kaz Inej tension of like Six of Crows Mm -hmm. and Crooked Kingdom. And especially because now we have more of the like band of misfits on the run vibe in this second one. It makes me think even more of those um, books, even though they're like totally different, like in a different fantasy world and not like contemporary. Mm hmm if you like Arthurian shit
1: yeah
0: and you're sick and tired of the takes by dusty old <laughs> white guys then <laughs> open your expand your horizons
1: yes yes okay well I did eventually come in with some recommendations. I know I,
0: I was being a bit of a bitch I'm sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay I love it um Only a Monster by Vanessa Len this is a book I read recently and it's contemporary and moves back and forth in time it's has magic and like lots of family dynamics which I think Legendborn kind of touches on like in the periphery but it's like a little more central and only a monster I really enjoyed it it was a good book I would also say Labyrinth Lost by Zoraida Cordova really good like contemporary that whole series like whether you want to be like in the one where they like travel to a new world or like they're in our contemporary real world um and lots of also family stuff going on so yeah those are my wrecks. <laughs> Do you think
0: also L.L. McKinney and the Verse yes. series with Black Girl Magic, Alice being a badass, like fighting with swords and all these things. Yes. That's another one that came up for me.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. And I, I feel like when I was like trying to look up similar books to Legendborn, like a lot of the books by Black authors were not contemporary. So I think it's good to like add in something that is a little more set in our time since we don't maybe get that as much or maybe those books just aren't as popular with the exception of Legendborn obviously (laughs) obviously so why did we choose this book because we love Legendborn like duh no I don't I got
0: nothing else for you (laughs) it was never not going to be on the podcast (laughs) roster Jesse's putting it in her syllabi that she's creating yes so it's like this is canon now you know you heard it here
1: you heard it here my only wish is that it had come out in july so we could have had it as our first episode of the season so like only regret here
0: (laughs) well whenever the next one comes out we'll see if we can orient the calendar
1: yes time to talk world building in through the wardrobe i feel like we learned so much more about the politicking that goes on behind the scenes with the round table in the book the whole organization is like super fucked up they're like mm. kidnapping children sedating them experimenting on them i'm just like what torturing them
0: on? oathing them to themselves mm-hmm. when children can they consent to
1: that mm-hmm. like
0: mm. yeah Mm-mm.
1: yeah yeah
0: And just like on so many levels, too. And like for so many generations, like it's been, what, thousand years at this point? Is that what they said? Yeah. Ooh, that's a lot. Talk about generational trauma. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: When I kind of think of, like, the round table and, like, you know, there's, like, those three people in charge of, like, different things, they kind of make me think of, like, HR at a company. Like, they're there to protect the round (laughs) table, not to protect the people there. Like, HR is there to protect the company, not the actual people. So Such a good reminder. So shitty.
0: And I think we also got to, like, what also revealed that is, like, the juxtaposition to these other Mm-hmm. Like magical systems and communities and ways of getting accessing power, you know, the call and response for power. Yeah. So, like, by juxtaposition, like, it, also because, like, the world expanded, it felt like threefold in the book. You know, we had like info dumps and new characters and way more context for all of the current drama in the blood walks mm-hmm. um, that Bree gets to take, which is like, I didn't put this in Kill Your Darlings or anything, but. I really, we probably talked about this in the last episode, but I just thought that was an excellent narrative device for getting to being able to show something and, um, yeah, kind of experiment with place and with voice, I would imagine, as an author. That's kind of fun.
1: Yeah. There's also like this expectation for Brie. When I was reading the book, this was like kind of at the beginning. Like, there's this expectation for Brie to have children so that she can carry on the Legend Born line without like any asking of if that is something she wants any respect for the fact that she is 16 years old and probably maybe hasn't even thought about those things doesn't want to mm. have kids like definitely maybe wants to have kids with like cell if I was her that's what I would do I mean I don't want kids but like you know um so it was just even like, babies yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I want a crossroads child <laughs> um But yeah, so I was just like, when I read that, I was just like, oof, no, mm -mm. I don't, I don't like this. I don't like it.
0: Yeah, just the obsession with um, biological family. Yeah. I guess. And, and um, yeah, the lines, I put this in, I think. Not knives out, Kylo Ren. You <laughs> <laughs>
1: it knives out. <laughs> I like that. Knives out might be our new title. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, that just like the the white supremacist mm-hmm. or the the whiteness connection to like the the obsession with lineage and like one drop stuff and controlling people and who they have sex with and who they have babies with and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like there's no. Or not know but there's what am I saying I'm I think I'm trying to I'm just gonna skip down to my point so I can just say it now I guess <laughs> um it just like begs the question to me and I think to a lot of other people who are interrogating whiteness and trying to like unlearn things that like what is behind this purity impulse and it's it's self-disgust, it's hatred, and it's shame, and it's like when you don't turn inward and look at the wound and shit that all this generational drama has caused and that you are complicit in with your current actions, then, then yeah, you get a lot of this, like, redirecting towards trying to control other people and conserve some sort of, like, fictional notion of purity that never even existed.
1: Yes. Ugh thank you for talking about that because it was like really frustrating to see this and not only that like brie is disposable i mean nick too to a to an extent where they're just like we're gonna find the next person in line like fine you don't want to do it like we'll find someone else who will like fulfill the role that we need them to play
0: (laughs) protecting the company they're people use as means rather than ends
1: yes yes
0: Let's discuss all things magic, which we've been doing and we're going to keep doing because magic is everywhere, which is, I think one of the things that I most love about this book is just like literally everywhere all the time. Yes. There's a lot of exposition about magic from various traditions, as I've said before, from root work to bloodcraft to legend born and also to like Brie, who literally no one ever planned, no one planned for, right? And her unique gifts and seeing the like burden of this, but we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> So there's oaths and abatement, which I we discussed in, I think, more detail in the first episode. But there was a lot of about Legendborn. But there was a, a lot of talk about that, which I thought was interesting with Cell mm-hmm. being like, you don't know what it's like to be oathed. Um, so that was interesting to see those interactions. And also like the spells not accounting for Bree, which I was just like. Yeah, of course, the limits of your world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't account for this this person because, like, she doesn't even have personhood in no. your world, fra- in your framework, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, also, they're, like, not having expected, they're, like, Arthur, or whatever, to have committed these acts that resulted in Brie because they are not accounting for the violence of whiteness because they are white. <laughs> And because you don't want to look
0: at it because it's uncomfortable. And you know what? Yeah, it is uncomfortable. Think about like, yeah, being an oppressor is also harmful. Yeah, It's harmful to yourself. So maybe like (laughs) stop, stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So another one of these traditions that Brie is um, discovering even more about is um, root craft and the like the whole, the entirely different paradigm of borrowing power and asking for it from the ancestors and rather than just like assuming that you could use power mm-hmm. that's like your birthright you know i have like kind of a random question on this magical tangent
1: i'm seeing that yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh like we saw even more of brie being able to sense ether and i think she's like expanding more into that power it's not just like smells or feelings you know um but I was wondering what you thought your magical signature and smell would feel like, or mm-hmm. what your magical signature would smell or feel like. Um, and this is like, it, it's kind of funny because I almost put this in Kill Your Darlings because I was like, it almost feels like a, he smells like citrus and salt yeah, and, a, yeah, yeah. and a forest log <laughs> that's been rotting for a century. and Yes somehow it's sexy or whatever yeah no um, yeah. but like this actually made sense to like have the 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 smell and stuff and it wasn't just like oh he smelled
1: like a waterfall on the third <laughs> thursday of august and i'm
0: like oh my god like calm down you all
1: if i ever write a book there will be no sense like i don't no smelling of anything um okay i'm struggling here i can't decide whether it would be better to be like fresh baked chocolate chip cookies because I love that smell or I have this lotion that I love that smells like cinnamon and orange and like I ration it because I love it so much and you can only get it in these like I'm holding it up so Kelly can see but like in these small one and fluid I see ounce. it's like it's like a toothpaste <laughs> tube that's literally
0: been <laughs> like z- <laughs> Yeah. like squeezed but i love it so much send so me a screenshot no. and then i'll send you a, a supply okay <laughs> um what okay, would you think of no, no no hold on oh okay i'm still on blood i'm still on cinnamon and orange because we've been doing this thing lately um listeners you're welcome it's clementine season right orange mm-hmm. season so saving the peels and then boiling them with oh. a bunch of cinnamon to make your and house just smell leaving nice. it on the stove yeah, and it humidifies also because it's so dry oh. in Colorado. Yeah, it is. And we've been too. doing that, and it's great. But it also works with like lemon. So if you have like offsets from baking or something, oh,
1: I love this.
0: And it's just like a, it smells amazing. You don't. It's not like lighting a candle, which I you know you couldn't do with Lainey. You know, yeah, so yeah. like. Oh, but yeah, it's I'm really totally nice. I'm
1: totally gonna do this. I love clementines too.
0: It's changed my life. Shout out to Maggie, one of our number one fans, uh,
1: for <laughs> recommending this to me. <laughs> Okay, now what would yours smell like? <laughs> so rude of you to ask me my own uh-huh, question. Uh-huh. Like I was like, <laughs> um,
0: mm. I feel like my magic would feel like sparkly, like almost zingy.
1: That seems right. I feel like your it would be glittery. Like if if you could see the- Kelly's magic, it would be like glitter, like rainbowy glitter. <laughs>
0: But that you could, but that you wouldn't have to wash off seven days later. Yeah, no. I know. But like what would it... And I feel like it would feel almost like not static electricity, but like a little zingy or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. And then I'm trying to think of a smell. Hmm. No smells are coming to mind. I'm like, what does a unicorn <laughs> smell like? I don't want something gross and sickly like cotton candy. That's Ooh, just like too... No. Ew. I um, don't know. I don't know what it smells like. Maybe dry corn husks or something we were talking before <laughs> we were trying to describe my hair color before we got on recording and we settled
1: on dry corn stalks <laughs> yes yes oh but you know that smell of like when you go to a pumpkin patch and it's like just peak fall smells oh I love that smell I could take that I'll take that I don't know if that's yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> or I'm thinking of this smell in like the pine forest yeah in the F- Market Mountain Front Range when it, in the summer when it's like it like it just, like, smells so bright.
1: I feel like yours would smell like Christmas trees. Kelly weirdly loves Christmas. <laughs> um, the secular version. You and, uh,
0: maybe it's my capitalist conditioning. Oh, yeah. I get it. Oh, God. my Your bourgeois
1: is showing. <laughs> Hide, it. Hide it. Hide it again. I feel like Christmas tree, that's a good one. And that's a wonderful smell. So it smells so nice. Christmas trees in summer. If you've
0: ever been to the Colorado forests. <laughs>
1: okay back to magic
0: um
1: okay we also have (laughs) volition which is this such a cool magical place where this community of root crafters have like purchased an old plantation um which also don't don't use those as venues for things um (laughs) and they have with their ancestors protected this place like the people who were root crafters that died there and you know suffered at the hands of slavers and slavery and they've just turned it into this place that's like a safe place for black people which i loved and then we had this like underground railroad that like gets brie and her friends to volition and i just like it was very overt the conversation that's going on in the book and I mm-hmm. really appreciate that like obviously I don't think young people like teens are not like stupid and I think they understand <laughs> um like things even when it's like told through metaphor or these other things but sometimes something like so overt is kind of nice where people aren't like second guessing like is this what this means like maybe the author meant this it's like no Tracy Dion meant Underground Railroad she meant plantations are terrible places she meant like we protect ourselves so I just appreciated that about the book and it was also like really cool bits of magic
0: a million bajillion percent so true volition I almost I almost put it in the world building part but you put it down here and it's just (laughs) like it's an incredible place and the tradition of it all and like just the weight of history. And I appreciate what you said about like, yeah, there's explicit connections because like sometimes there is a direct explicit lineage. And I feel like it's a very black feminist praxis mm-hmm. of citation Yeah, to be like, yeah, this comes from this and this is bad and yeah. this is acceptable. And this isn't, you know, it's like, it's what black feminism has been doing some since the beginning. Yeah. Just like super appreciated all of this.
1: Um, We also have the mesmer of forgetting. This really stuck out to me at the beginning. Uh, where Brie is at the funeral for, you know, the scions that had died in Legendborn. And they, like, offer these services to help people forget so that, you know, they can feel better. And I don't know why, but I was just like, like, this, that's a a lot. Like, you're going to make a parent forget their... Like, they're not forced to do this. It's just an option. But I was just like, oof, like, that seems like a lot. And then, obviously, that, like, mesmer is used, I think, kind of on Brie when she... Is like I mean, kidnapped and being held in like that facility or whatever to like make her forget she's gone through all this questioning and stuff. So just sounds about white, doesn't it? Oh. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It's just like the it's a
0: quintessential it's almost like a like a direct metaphor for gaslighting.
1: I was just gonna say, like or like the way that like white supremacy moves us to forget about their role and like the harms that they have done, like in the Mm -hmm. past and the present and will do in the future. Dang. Tracy Dion is just like, I love her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of discussion about succumbing to blood Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. demons and cambions. And I wanted to see how you felt about this since you are attracted to the darker (laughs) side of things.
1: (laughs) you know i am like kind of here for it like i was a huge buffy fan when i was a kid and like i'm team spike all the way so i'm kind of like if this is what cell needs to do that's fine but also i have a feeling like it's going to be fine in the future books like maybe this is this is probably just a lie that you know the round table has made up about you know mm-hmm
0: then to control people to
1: control people because they like you know basically murder them or like incarcerate them when they've like gone too far or whatever maybe it's
0: like when they realize that they're being used yeah. and they no longer feel like like participating in this fucked up system yes
1: exactly so i have a feeling like cell's not succumbing to anything it's gonna be like oh he's just realizing what's going on and They are going to be worried that he's going to turn against them and he will because he's in love with Bree and they're OTP. So,
0: (laughs) okay. I'm stuck on this about like, yeah, maybe the succumbing is just maybe we just a reframe from like no longer repressing what he, uh, what he is. Right. Because he's, he's not fully human. He is part demon. And so it's like, maybe you're just finding a new homeostasis.
1: Yeah. And I think there's something like there also about like succumbing to your base or nature or something you know with like yeah and I'm kind of just like mm, so can do what he wants okay <laughs> he makes bad look so good he really does <laughs> just kidding, I don't job. really think he's that bad so it's fine <laughs> actually he's like 19 in the books or something so okay so we're in the fictional clear <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, Knives Out. Um, now we're going to talk about conflict, villains, and good versus evil in our segment, Get Me Kylo Ren, aka Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much all the adults who are not Brie or Alice's family are trash. Cell's mom might be okay, but she's also like not helping her kid right now, so I'm kind of like, mm, what are you doing? Look at your life look <laughs> at your choices. <laughs> yes. Um,
0: that's... <laughs> That is an internet throwback. I don't know if anyone knows about sassy gay friend <laughs> from second city. These, <laughs> these like skits of, it would be like, if Romeo, if Juliet had a sassy gay friend, what, how could it have gone differently? It's like, look at your life, look at your choices. You're about to like do this. And they do it for Ophelia. They do it for Eve. It's so funny.
1: We were um, on different um, sides of the internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cause I did not watch Buffy, <laughs> but that uh, wasn't on the internet. No. That was on TV. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, but you are I wasn't younger even than me. Allowed to watch The Simpsons. Oh, <laughs> like, I came to cultural criticism t- way later. Yeah. than if I would have been able to watch The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, all the adults who aren't Bree or Alice's family are just like being very, just like adult supremacy is totally a thing.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah. Where
0: you're just like not even considering youth and how their lives are compounded, actually. They experience more, the effects are more magnified of adult choices now than they are for youth. So maybe you should have more of a say.
1: Yeah. And it's hard because, like, I understand the need and desire to like protect them because they are kids but i do think like as young people start to get older they need to have more space to make mistakes and figure out how they want to have their own lives as opposed to like what we put on them to do and we don't, we kind of see that with Bree's dad who like calls and checks in and he's like not pushing her to do any like one thing over the other but is offering her advice to make her own decisions which is why i love Bree's dad and i talked about him at length i think in the legend born episode Because we don't get a lot of depictions of, like, good black dads in media in general. So, once again, thank you, Tracy (laughs) Fionn. Thanks. The gratitude abounds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We also have Arthur, who like i thought he was gonna be okay i don't know why i thought this because he's like a white man why did i think he was gonna be okay i don't know he's terrible that's
0: a fool me once situation yeah you know
1: i know i won't be fooled again yeah arthur is trash he like took over Bree's body and was like i'm in charge here which you know that's also saying something about like i guess the you know sense of ownership white men some white men whatever Mm. have over people of color and their bodies and their choices and i'm just like fuck that guy
0: I love how you made that connection. So true. (laughs) So true. We're just making connections today. This is just like this is a fire episode already. Oh my god, so good. I don't know why I didn't think like I. I guess I wasn't necessarily surprised by the existence of like this shadow version of the round table. I was. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like oh symmetry, yeah, kind of Mm -hmm. like uh, it makes sense, right? And then. We get the, the shadowborn king or whatever. And he ter- and the great devourer and the hunter and all of these uh, root work and memories, ancestral memories that Bree accesses from her line from Vera and the eight generations all the way forward to her. And it's like this this essentially demon that's attracted to power. And Bree is like the powerhouse. That's what she keeps getting called. Yeah. And turns out this like shadowborn king is Erebus, a.k.a. the mage seneschal, who is like a big deal in the legend born society order whatever order of the round table whatever the hell and it's like ooh, yes i was like okay i i see this i didn't see it coming Me but either. i was like okay this makes perfect sense
1: yeah yeah we have to have you know light and darkness yada 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 <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna guess he's gonna turn out to not be that bad maybe so that's my guess and because it sounds like Bree is essentially
0: starting an apprenticeship with yeah. this person mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. for book three, yeah. I mean, maybe that's not the right way to put it. It sounds like she's being cut, like kidnapped, held against her will.
1: Kind of, but she's doing it to help sell.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. She makes her choices, you she's know. A so good we can't or more. Yeah, we can't judge her choices. <laughs> yes, I already went off about whiteness earlier on, but I'm sure I'll do it more later. But yeah, that yeah. can just we okay. can just put a pin in that and just. Yeah, that.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Whiteness. Okay, let's go onward. Um, Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about how race, class, gender, and ability show up. So this is our segment
1: about power and bodies and how they relate. Okay, I wrote so many things in here, and most of them are about race because of what we're reading so yeah um a little bit of a content warning we are going to talk about race and racism in this section as we often do but also sexual assault so I just wanted to let people know if you need to duck out of the section I just have to mention like this came up so early in the book about Bree's hair and like these racist notions of black hair as unkempt or unprofessional and Like we are not here for that. Like this is ridiculous and it's so frustrating when I hear people talk about this. I maybe I will try and find some resources. Anyways, this was real frustrating to me.
0: (laughs) I think that Tracy Dion did a really good job of showing like that white supremacy is the water and we're the fish (laughs) swimming in it, you know? And then like, obviously coming from Bree's perspective you're just like feeling all of this so viscerally happening to her. And then yeah. I was also this, like the whole idea of like unkempt and unprofessional. That's like, it's dog whistle for like uncontrollable, mm-hmm. unruly, not gonna, you know, deal with the bullshit and the lies and like actually telling truth what it is and different. It's like there, I'm thinking of this, this um, moment of when Bree stands up and has her and, and the white guy is like, your emotional outburst quote-unquote was uncalled for or Mm -hmm. whatever and it's just like I don't know why I'm making this connection maybe it's totally off base and you can call me out on my shit but like I don't know it's just like the yet another one of those racist ideas about like trying to put black women especially Mm -hmm. in a box yeah and it's just it's just like oh maybe sweep your own yard (laughs) and mind your own fucking
1: business yeah no I agree I'm super behind on book reviews for the Instagram. I'll get to it when Winter Break starts. But I did recently read two books. One was called Wash Day. They're both graphic novels. And I don't remember the author. I'll put it in the show notes. And then Frizzy by Clarabel Ortega, who wrote Witchlings, which we loved. But both of them were about hair and anti-blackness as it relates to that. And I would super recommend those books. As some of you have seen, I do have curly hair. And, you know my mom was white is white and was really like big on me straining my hair. And like, I would get like relaxers and stuff and that is totally okay if people want to do that. But when you're made to feel like your hair isn't good enough and like it's natural state, it's really hurtful and like you can carry those things on later in your life. Um, So I don't know. It was just, I felt so bad for Brie. And then also like really that resonated with me as someone who like had people tell them like, Oh, your hair needs to be a different way. So I appreciated this. Thanks for including it, Mm -hmm. Tracy. (laughs) Is it
0: Wash Day Diaries by Jamila Rouser and Robin Smith? Yes,
1: that's it. Okay. Thank you. There it is. Kelly's on it. This is going to be a bit of a call and
0: response, I feel like, because Jesse has so much in here and I'm just going to (laughs) be maybe, I don't know, fucking up (laughs) after she says (laughs) it really profound stuff
1: we got you we're calling people in these days you know well some people not some people are getting called out like fuck them people but you know some people that's true that's fair <laughs> okay so there's this like moment where brie is talking to like you know the head hr people from <laughs> the round table that's what i'm calling them <laughs> this now. metaphor will stay with me forever <laughs> <I know. laughs> and she's telling them like oh she is like you know heir of arthur that's not what they call it but i can't remember now what? scion yeah, scion of Arthur, and, like, they're, like, how did this happen? And she's, like, oh, because, you know, he raped my ancestor, like, my black ancestor, because they, are first of all, they're pissed, because, like, they don't want a black scion, and then Kestra, I'm guessing that's how you say her name, is the only woman in the group, and she's, like, yeah, that's definitely possible, and she, like, admits to the possibility of rape, but not racism within the round table, because rape is something that she could experience, and this is peak white feminism, where, like, we will talk about the things that affect white women but not other groups of people and they can only relate if it was something that could happen to them so again thank you tracy for including this because like oof i was like "Mm, thank you yeah this is a thing i hate kestra i was gonna hate her anyways but you know i appreciated this yeah she's definitely like the The token white lady Mm -hmm.
0: who's like propping up all of this patriarchal (laughs) stuff and like like sidling up to patriarchy and being like, no, this is the side I'm taking. It's like, okay, bitch.
1: Yes. Okay. There was like this um, (laughs) there was like this Bill Burr sketch that went around like a little while ago. He's a white comedian like from Boston, but he was talking about and maybe he got this from somewhere else. Also, his wife is black. That is important to the story because I'm guessing he hears a lot about this stuff at home, but like how white women often are like, yeah, down with the patriarchy, like all this stuff while they like benefit from the patriarchy. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate this. He didn't say it in those words, obviously, <laughs> but that's what the point he was getting across. So I appreciated how Tracy Dion reflected that in this story.
0: <laughs> 100%. Can, can I go back to the HR thing for a second? Mm-hmm. Because there was also cause you were saying she's not the heir she's the scion but then she's also like the king but she's not really the king because they haven't done like the right paperwork or Mm -hmm. whatever it just felt very hr to me because it's like no you you are super powerful and we're gonna use you slash kidnap you slash imprison you um and make you a pawn and say you have a lot of power and at the same time be like but you actually don't have power because we haven't done this paperwork or yeah ritual but whatever the fuck um so it's like you have power but you don't and it's just like the friggin the nightmare it's like it's like the trial it's like kafka yes you know what i mean it's like none of this makes sense yet all of you are propping it up and it's hurting all of you but you just are like living in a fantasy world that's more fantastical than this fantasy book that we're reading
1: and then they like trick her out of getting her powers i was like are you kidding me of course of course it's like when you go into like negotiate your salary and they like lowball you (laughs) so many hr metaphors today (laughs) fucking hr
0: should be in the knives out section why did we put it yeah yeah
1: (laughs) we also see that brie like is kind of maybe being experimented on by Erebus, um which just got me thinking about the medical industry and experimentation on black people and like how that kind of has led to distrust from the black community around, you know, medical practices or, you know, vaccine hesitancy. A lot of different things mm-hmm. that just brought this to mind. The field of gynecology, all those things. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> the entire field of gynecology. Look it up.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Yes. I think this maybe goes without saying that, like, the council, a- a.k.a. HR, don't want Brie to be signed <laughs> because she's black. Like, that is Obviously, the only reason, I mean, also because she wasn't like raised in this, you know, community or whatever vassal and community or whatever. But we know it's because she's black. (laughs) It's like, just say what it's actually about, y'all. Right? Like, you could at least just come out and say it. There was a part of the book, and Like, I don't really remember it now, but I wrote it down, so I left it in here because it still, like, really spoke to me about, like, what it means to be the first Black fill-in-the-blank, like, first Black president, first Black, you know, person to graduate from a specific program, like, all those things, and, like, how so much rise on it for the way that people in your own community see you, but also how people outside of your community see you. It's just, like, a complicated thing, like... I mean I am mad that like first black president was already taken and now first black vice president is already taken so like what am I supposed to do but <laughs> you know it's just like there's a lot of pressure on people I think when you're the first, first black, black something. intergalactic librarian I don't librarian yes
0: <laughs> I was gonna say em- emperor but I'm like no she wouldn't be an emperor no librarian I like that thank you Tracy talked like we call her by her first name as if we know her because (laughs) we love
1: her so much (laughs) oh my
0: god it's one-sided relationship and that's Mm -hmm. fine right now Mm -hmm. it's uh i love that for her (laughs) (laughs) but it's she talks about this in the author's note actually at length about this is one of you know the core meditations of the book is about what like the power in you know being i guess blazing a trail to use like a weird colonialist metaphor i guess but like also how much pressure that is and how unfair it also is and how it's like we see Brie just deciding not to play by the rules of that game anymore and I've you know it seems that seems like a common move that black women often are forced to make right? because they're like all of these demands from all of these sides and it's like actually I just need to have my own life force and do my own thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like we can't be the first and be twice as good as everyone else and live up to like everyone's expectations of what it means because you're asking too much. So leave people alone. (laughs) Also, I was thinking about like researching black family records Again, I don't 100% remember why this came up in the book. I think they were trying to like trace things back. Oh, this is kind of like why um, Bree is they're, doing like the blood walks even to an extent because like, like they she doesn't know about her family. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to yeah. Does that was happening in the book?
0: So obviously there was some like racist white shenanigans where they're just trying to be like we'll just replace Bree if she doesn't feel well, like playing yeah. this game. And so then it was the the white people coming up against this like. Oh. The the difficulty of generational research yeah. for black folks because yeah. of the institution of chattel slavery.
1: Yes. And this like reminded me of, like a, a few years ago, I tried to like do a lot of research on my family. Very easy to do on my white side of my family, like hand trace them back to Germany. Like no problem. Centuries like, back. Yeah. Paper yes. trail, paper exact trail. names,
0: exact dates.
1: Yes. When I w- did my black family side, which is what I was most interested in because we don't know. You can get back to when like the end of slavery and nothing before that. So it can be really frustrating trying to like learn your lineage. And I did a 23 Me, and I know some people don't feel comfortable with that, which is fine. But I also really want to know where my family was from. And it's unfortunate that, you know, I can't use free library resources or um, that there aren't other ways for me to like identify where my family came from without also giving away you know, my spit to some huge company. So yeah, it just reminded me of that.
0: And as you're talking, it was making me think of, um, oh my God, just went away. (laughs) Hold on one second. Mm -hmm, I'm going to try and get back. Oh, just like how incomplete and racist the archive is Mm -hmm. and how we must always have that filter on because like the, the filter of the people who are making the documents clearly the way that they, like kept records shows that whose personhood they acknowledged yeah. and whose they completely did not yeah right and so just like this idea that the archive and the what we have is you know inherently incomplete and also need to really be realistic about the sources and the limitations yeah. of wh- of them
1: yeah and that like is such a good point because uh it makes me think of like venus in two acts by sadia mm-hmm. hartman um but totally also Catherine mckittrick's uh, mathematics and black life where they kind of talk about like Venus into acts talks about like the, the violence that's included in what we have of the archive and like the lack of personhood. And then the Catherine McKittrick piece kind of talks about like the difficulty of accessing the archive as um, a black person and like what's there and like what we can't get there. So yeah, those are two like black feminist scholars and I I will say that Venus in two acts is a bit difficult to read both emotionally and just like both of them kind of write like very it's just dense, you know, so like it's a slow read, but um I have enjoyed reading their work. So would recommend I'll put the title of the article in there for you.
0: <laughs> so good. It's it's currently placeholded with XXX by Catherine because I got not what you said. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah venus in two acts idea hartman and and Catherine mckittrick are definitely like hugely yeah. important big names and i see what you mean yeah totally dense. like dense as in like there's like a weight of history and that is included like in like poetic language yeah. as well it's like a refusal to be easily like boxed in and understood in yeah. the, like dry academic jargon so but like yeah those especially the saidi hartman ones but yeah um I also appreciate this turn in like black academic or black, I don't know, intellectual thought or, mm-hmm. or maybe it's not even a turn. It's like a, it seems like black feminists, black women are being le- like, I'm thinking also of Alexis Pauling Gums, mm-hmm. like Adrian Marie Brown, like Audrey Lord was doing this back in the yeah. day. Um, just like defying genre conventions mm-hmm. and um, recuperating these narratives that really need to be told. Um, in a different way because the way of telling simply does not yeah do the subject matter justice.
1: Yeah. And it can be really hard to do that, especially because like we're trained to read, you know, academic work in a very specific way. And it's like kind of hard to like sit down and sit with these things. I find it difficult, um, at least maybe other people don't, but um, so it can be hard, but I, I do think it's worth it if it's mm-hmm. of interest we also have the scene at the gas station and for a second I was like what was the scene I don't remember because I think I was confusing it a little bit with um uh Sia Martinez and the moonlight beginning of everything also great yes Um, different gas station scene different gas station scene but a reminder that like sundown Town still exists, like racism Mm -hmm. exists when you are a person of color you have to be careful about where you're going and what you're doing and like you're always on high alert in unfamiliar areas so yeah ooh. That's all. White <laughs> supremacy is the water. We are yes. the fish. Yeah. yeah.
0: Another thing that I just wanted to put in here before we wrap up the section is like the. It seems like a core access axis of the novel is also the grief, mm-hmm. and like how it affects people and how it just like it moves us. You know, it's like we have very little control in this whole process, and it's like once. Brie has has learned to do more of the surrendering because of her life has you know, her life circumstances, you know, her mom died and but we see like Cell dealing with grief in a totally different way, Nick dealing with grief in a different way, and, and and also these like balms to grief via connection, via being witnessed and vulnerable and storytelling or and also like repatterning and reclaiming narratives, which is definitely something like a journey that Brie is on. Mm-hmm. And that's just like your internal, right? And then there's the whole grief and other people, which is where things get like super fucking messy, right? And there's this quote from page 93 stuck out to me. It says, once you get tired of folks offering sympathy that doesn't fit your pain, it's easier to draw the bridge up than it is to keep it open. Easier to stop the attempts to connect than it is to keep watching
1: them fail. And I was just like, oh, truth bomb. Yeah, yeah. Tracy just got one thing after another coming through, like... (laughs) For real, for real. This episode is about to be like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about sexuality, asexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. I mean, I've said it once. I'll say it like a million more times. Bree and sell until the day I die. I will literally go down with the ship I don't care if people like Nick, like Nick can get fucked. Uh, sell so for life, by someone else. <laughs> yeah. By someone else. <laughs> That's not what that phrase means, but yeah, sure. By I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I also
0: ship it. The tension, the sizzle was so good. Finally I got know. a make out scene. Yes. But there were so many like feelings. So many feelings. There was like a, let me clean this wound for oh, you. Like, like just, one of like, my the- favorites.
1: That's top tier. <laughs> <laughs> Top tier enemies to lover. Oh, love it. So good. Okay. In that vein, I was really glad to see Lesson Nick in this book. I think he's like kind of a pain in the ass and like kind of a bad friend and like too much of like a goody two shoes. I'm like, mm, no, thank you. Like, I feel like if I saw him on a college campus, I think I would like look at him be like, oh, preppy frat boy. No, thank you. You know what I mean? Thank you, Nick. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> But it was interesting to see like Bree is still so connected to him. And I didn't mind these like moments of like the three of them together acknowledging how they're all connected and how there's like desire and history and all these different things that are complicated. Feelings. They're so complicated.
1: I know. But I also don't know if like does Bree only have feelings for him because of like the the Arthur Lancelot stuff or like are her feelings genuine? Like it's kind of confusing. Mm hmm. I mean maybe it's like confusing on purpose it'll come back later I'm sure. <laughs> it was so great to see more of Alice and Bree's friendship. I feel like we did not get a lot of that in the last book because they were kind of like, you know, angry with each other for a good portion and like Bree was spending so much time um at the at the house or whatever. So this was really sweet. I'm glad we got to see this. And we also got to see it like projected back into time too, you know,
0: these mm-hmm. moments of uh, Bree's mom teaching alice how to braid Bree's yeah. hair and just like we see that they have so much history and it's just so beautiful love it yes although
1: <laughs> i feel like alice is like being used during the whole story to make us like rethink our love of sally she's like planting these little like glimpses of like ooh, doubt, doubt into Bree's mind and i'm like alice leave it alone it's not gonna happen this is why you're about to be in a coma for the next book because, like, we can't have any more of this cell-bashing nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> you need to put that to rest. <laughs> put it to rest. Oh, uh, that's so funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, Alice is almost, like, she's, like, calling Brie in at all these various moments and being, like, yeah, you're awesome and you're a king and you're also, like, your own... Biggest critic, and you can chill and also like put on some lip balm and drink this glass of water. Yeah, bitch. she does help like, take care
1: of her. As Bree's like walking around, eyes covered, being like, what? Red flags. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, because Alice totally sees the friggin, like, legend-born society for what it is. And is I, I like this journey for her of, like, being a vassal. And she's like, that's it. I'm getting oath. I want fucking power. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, okay, Alice, that'll be interesting to see how that works for you.
1: And I think she wants, like, access to all their knowledge. Because I think she's, like, seeing things from, like, the perspective of the round table or whatever. Like, getting access to that knowledge makes her see the world in a different way. And same with, like, learning about the bloodcraft and root work and all like all these things she's like learning them and it's making her change the way she sees the world exactly exactly
0: okay but for real did these like sell running fast in the forest brie yes. on his back <laughs> <laughs> make you think of twilight yes. i like could it not
1: i um, mean it yeah. made
0: me chuckle remembering those awful films and the the books and just like oh my god funny yes
1: and, and i'm also like does does tracy d like was she a fan of twilight and put this in there as like an easter egg for twilight fans it- <laughs> i mean also cell can run I'm really here fast i'm here for it uh, me too <laughs> <laughs> um i'm just going on a
0: limb and say alice and mariah okay. potential
1: ship okay i also um, go ahead sorry uh,
0: there was this cute moment of them like cooking together and bonding yeah. like at volition and stuff and they're both like tangential to all of like tangentially related to all breeze drama yes and yeah,
1: I was just like, mm, maybe I, maybe I ship. Yeah. And I forgot to put it in the show notes, but also like um, William and Lark, even though I kind of, mm-hmm. I was like, get out of here. Lark, stop messing around. You're ruining things for sale. But um, I have a feeling that's going to happen also. <laughs> but the gays can stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and whatever else comes to mind in Kill Your Darlings. Alice is getting the best lines. I said this, but she gets such good one-liners. I love that for her. This is just me with a laundry list of random stuff that I've put
1: in this section. (laughs) And Jesse added nothing. (laughs) Sorry.
0: We see Cell fighting with a sickle and a chain scythe, and I'm just retconning this in Mm -hmm. my mind that he's a secret communist. Okay, okay.
1: He, he's works. down for the revolution <laughs> he's
0: up for the symbolism even though that's probably not what this was at all <laughs> I'm taking this I mean
1: okay okay
0: and also chain scythe how cool would that be as a weapon it seems so really cool. difficult but
1: yeah cool, it's cool. like advanced level yeah, <laughs> yes. like
0: the beginners just get a, a stick with a pointy end you know? <laughs> it's like no you were a beginner you <laughs> calm down yes I felt like I have to say it. I would be remiss if I did not say that I will die on the hill of no palm cutting for blood rituals. There and you go. I love how Bree eventually is just like, here's my safety pin yes. that has been disinfected because I am pay attention to detail and don't have time to get like st- a staph infection.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> my last thing is I love Tracy's author's notes. I remember the Legendborn one being really good and Bloodmarked was also excellent she i think is a bit more like explicit about what the books are about mm-hmm. which you made this comment about you know is that yeah. she's like making explicit connections to underground Railroad road and like racism equals bad and <laughs> plantations shouldn't be like wedding venues like what the actual fuck yeah but yeah her author's notes i think are just really like really generative and yeah you just tell that she's the real deal
1: like it into it there was no author's note in the arc so I haven't actually read the author's note yet but now that you mention it I will get my official copy and read it after it's repair. really
0: good yeah she talks about grief she talks about being the first black girl mm-hmm. x and yeah just really um I appreciate how she's like yeah this is where I'm coming from as an artist yeah like this is my piece of art and also it belongs to the readers to a certain extent when it's out in the world yeah. and also i do think it's like important for yeah. especially black women to be yeah. like
1: this was my intention yeah this is what it's about yeah are we ready for real talk mhm let's
0: mm-hmm. do it take it away
1: okay so i'm about to make an analogy that like no one will get um. very niche. It's very niche everyone. <laughs> um, but I'm going to say it and explain it um, because it was so well done in the story that I just like have to relate it back to real life. So there's this F1 driver. <laughs> um, Jesse got me into F1 to be fair. So it's if you, if you haven't already watched Drive to Survive. <laughs> Um, so there's this F1 driver, Max Verstappen. Like, he's probably going to go down in history as one of the greatest drivers of all time. He's really good, like, won almost an impossible number of um, races this season and, like, won the championship. Um, and I kind of hated him at first because he seems like kind of an asshole. Um, but then I learned about, like, how much abuse he has suffered at the hands of his dad, Yost for sap um, to like, and his dad says he did this, to, like turn Max into a great driver. Like his dad would make him practice in the cold with like no gloves on when he was a kid. And like, he would walk away from those instances with like numb hands. Now, Max talks about these instances as if they're like not abuse, but something that made him a better driver. And I now mostly like feel bad for him because he didn't get to have a good childhood or isn't even able to recognize what happened to him was like not Okay. Um, And his dad continues to try and be in the limelight and cause problems for Max. And also of note, his dad was accused of, like, attempted murder. Um, The drama. I know. So, like, he's not a good guy. I say all this... uh to say that this situation's like seriously reminded me about the relationship between Nick and his dad, where like his mm-hmm. dad is like raising Nick in a certain way because like his dad wants power and I think that's the same thing that was happening with Yost and like Max Verstappen. Thank you for coming to my TED talk and listening to me rant about F one drivers and their personal lives. Um I learned BM. so much from
0: this. I feel like <laughs> I just
1: watched a whole biopic. I know. Um
0: I didn't know any of this and it just like I wish I were more surprised, Yeah, to be honest. But, like, was it Jung? I've totally said this on the podcast before, that, like, the biggest impact on the child is the unlived life of the parent. Yes. And it's like, mm -hmm. Jost Verstappen Verstappen was a professional F1 driver. He was. A bad one. But Max Verstappen is a whole other level. He's, like, in outer space. Yeah. You know? He, like... Was a professional F1 driver before he was 18. Yeah. Before he could legally drive a car on the road, he's like driving cars at 200 plus miles an hour on the track. He's the
1: reason there's a rule about the age now. There are two rules that have come out of Max Verstappen's career. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's just like, wow. And you're so
0: totally right making making this comparison. And it's not the first time I've seen this. And it's especially egregious, I feel like, with sports. Yeah. You know, there's just something about like the the classic patriarchal obsession with winning and and sports and glory and how that's like the measure of a man and all those things um but yeah 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 thank you for bringing this up yeah so
1: now I just feel bad for Max and like I'm like oh this explains so much (laughs) but I still feel bad for him so he's still not my favorite driver but anyways Lewis Hamilton for life (laughs) And then you also wonder, it's like, well, then did you actually have any choices mm-hmm. or to
0: what degree did you have choices Exactly, about this sort of thing? You know? No,
1: I 100% agree.
0: Okay. As is my frigging shit because I'm boring. <laughs> I picked a quote. <laughs> this is page 364 to 363 to 364 and it's Valak talking to Bree, who we didn't talk about, but he was one also one of my fave characters yeah, yeah. who came, who, the new character in that book. The quote says, there are many reasons to hide the truth from those you don't know. But when there is care between two people and trust built, there's only one reason that lies continue. Not fear of safety, but fear of judgment. Shame and guilt are powerful motivators, not easily overcome.
1: Yes. Snaps all around. This is like
0: (laughs) a perpetual growth edge Mm. for relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, and vulnerability and I don't know. especially like speaking for myself as like a white person where whiteness like conditions you to just like want to like brush over everything that's quote unquote uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you're like no that's like the opposite of what you should be doing yeah shouldn't be repressing and dissociating (laughs) you should be fitting like doing things head on and actually reaching out for connection and being vulnerable you know
1: yeah it is hard it's hard it is okay card questions let's do it we got to be
0: quick because my phone's gonna die (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here they are. Here's the sound of us. We'll just do one. What is the protagonist fighting against or for? Two different questions, I guess. I think fighting against competing narratives of Mm -hmm. who she quote unquote should be or what she quote unquote should do Yeah. and fighting for a connection to her own intuition.
1: Yeah. Yeah i think she's fighting for her like right to her personhood to be the person she wants yes. to be rather than like who everyone else wants her to be Ugh, love it all right thanks for listening to the library coven we'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of the atlas six i think but maybe we have uh end of year review before that i don't really know i am very lost Um, (laughs) as always (laughs) we'd love to be in conversation with you magical folks let us know what you think of the episode anything we missed or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on twitter or instagram at the library coven And you all know that you can subscribe wherever you look at your
0: podcasts and we appreciate reviews and ratings and recommendations to other people who you think are awesome and would like the show. Um, Word of mouth is one of the best ways to um, spread um, the show and make sure people get it who would enjoy it. And if you're able to support us financially, that would be super rad. Um, you can help off- offset the costs for like hosting and <laughs> different things that we pay for and you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee or um the good stuff's on patreon and then uh you can also shop at our bookshop.org affiliate page until next time stay magical